You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning and welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kunst along with Deacon John Foucault coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth at St. James Catholic Parish Gathering Space. That's my parish. And right now we have on the air um, uh, Noel Maring. And uh, Noel, first off, welcome to Real Presence Live. Thanks for having me. Great to you be sa- here. You said you've been on the air before, but this one's going to be memorable for you. So, but first, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm a wife and mother of six children who are not actually all children. There's a couple of them that are adults still. Um, we live in Southern California. I'm a fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, and I've written a book called Awake, Not Woke, as well as co-authored the Theology of Home book series, of which we have three now. The mm-hmm. most recent one just came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah, excellent. So tell us a little bit about this uh, Theology of the Home series. How did the concept come about for you guys to get together to write it? Um, I was reading a little bit about uh, the, the uh, core values and the belief of on your website in regards to the homemakers and the women being an evangelical force within the, the, the home and the community and really being responsible to prepare our families and our children for heaven. So tell us a little bit about how you guys came about this concept. Sure. Well, my co-author, Carrie Gress, uh, and I, we actually first met in graduate school over 20 years ago at Franciscan, um, and we sort of lost touch. We were good friends, fast friends that year, and then lost touch uh, uh, for a while as, you know, our lives took us in just different directions, and then reconnected um, maybe four or five years ago and started working together uh, on a website that she'd started. Um, and then she actually came up with this phrase, Theology of Home, once when she was on the treadmill, and she was listening to a song about a homecoming. And just started thinking about how much homecomings are, how evocative they are. You know, we see, you know, videos of uh, soldiers coming home and greeting their families and so much music and movies and literature is about, you know, trying to get home and what home means. And uh, we just started fleshing out this idea of why home is such a universally, you know, compelling concept. What it speaks to, obviously speaks to something deeper and something that we long for. And I think could be an entry point into understanding, you know, that we long for something that's our eternal home and that, that, that our homes can be really a foretaste of that. Um, but they also, sadly, can be a foretaste of hell if they're done poorly, if they're done with dissension and, um, you know, in all of the ways that life kind of divides us and, and how miserable that can be because of what it ought to be. Um, and so we really started to create this idea that, uh, that you know, so much of for women has, has been corroded by media, by visuals, by magazines. Um, by TV shows, by culture, and that, that it's been done really effectively. Yet there's been sort of this destabilization of, you know, the role and importance of taking care of a home, taking care of families, um, and, and, and how, how effectively that's been done to change our idea and our imaginations of that, which is a beautiful thing, something we long for, rather into something that feels oppressive and beneath us and, and not unworthy. And so we thought, well, what if we kind of get into this kind of cultural, visual space? And so we created this series that has... You know, very beautiful photography. We have a great photographer. We've been working with Tim Bale. Um, so it has a feeling of being like a coffee table book or a magazine, you know, um, and, and in the same way that I think women's magazines have been such a, for, such a force for, like, a radical feminist type of movement. Um, that our hope is that the Theology of Home books are a counterforce of presenting a positive vision of what's good in this life, what it's the nature of womanhood, um, and the importance of family. Um, and, and to kind of counteract that other cultural messaging. So 
um, we, you know, besides the visuals, we really have um, uh, desire to make them substantive and, um, you know, but, but in a way that's accessible. Um, so it's been fascinating. We have, you know, um, Protestants who love it. We have people who are not religious at all who have, who have just have been able to sit down with it and just really, you know, felt compelled by it and written to us. And, um, you know, that's kind of the appeal we want to have, that it could reach women at all different stages and developments of faith or the lack thereof. Uh, and speak something of their soul that can kind of maybe plant a seed or feed something that, you know, for the woman who feels unseen and is caring for her home and her family, that she can see that, remember how beautiful this life is and um, and what a good thing she's doing. So, so Noel, what's your favorite color? My favorite color? Um, I actually have a lot of favorite colors, but I, I think maybe red. Okay, I only did that because I want to make this one memorable. Memorable, that's what this, going yep, for, yeah. That's the only reason why I asked that question. This host but, asked me my favorite so, color. So, okay, so... So um, uh, in this in this last book, uh, this this latest one, uh, three, you talk a lot about the sea, or it's even like, isn't that part of the, like even the subtitle of it? Yeah, at the sea. How, how does that? How does that? Um, what's what? Where, what are you getting at with that sea part? Yeah, so you know, we want we wanted to have it more of a, a focus, um, and the idea being that there's something really compelling, obviously, about the sea. You know, there's, it's been written one of the greatest seas in literature and mythology. It's you know primordial and it's got this aspect of life-giving force, but there's also this kind of sense of, you know, mystery and even and danger and, you know, something that um, we have to really reverence in order to um, survive it, you know, that every sailor or sea captain knows, you know, you respect the sea and you don't um, try to master the sea so much as you try to work with it, knowing that it has cycles and storms and, you know, rules, and that that's something that we have to respect. And I think that we see that really clearly in nature, as well as, you know, just the sea being one aspect of nature, but... Uh, we don't see it as much with our human nature. Um, we've really lost that sense of sort of reverencing our nature and, you know, this idea and ideology that we can kind of change our nature or dominate it or we can have it bend to our will rather than try to try to work in harmony with it. And the sea just seemed like a beautiful uh, and powerful metaphor for that. Um, most people, even if you don't live near the sea, have, you know, experiences with it or longing for it or have had, you know, memories that have been surrounding a favorite vacation or something. Um, and so, you know, we wanted to play with that aspect, too, just that kind of sense of the lightness, the recreation, the play, the, ch- you know, the children running in and out of the waves, um, and how that also is a piece of something more mysterious, more kind of haunting, um, and more tumultuous, and, um, and, and then, you know, and what that, what that tells us about our humanity. So, Noelle, real quick, on the first and the second book, so each one has a different theme, Correct. Yes. So yeah, tell us a little bit about is, the first one. Yeah, the first one is um, uh, finding the eternal in the everyday, the LG Co. one. And so that's really about the what is home, what's so compelling about home. You know, we go through transcendentals like order, um, you know, uh, hospitality, light. Uh, the second one is more focused on the role of the homemaker. The subtitle is The Spiritual Art of Homemaking. Um, so so uh, we turn our attention rather, rather than just focusing on the home to what does it mean to care for a home and the people in it and do that well. Um, so this one is a bit is a bit different, but more of a niche, um, but it wound up being really personal, and I think um, I, I, it's something really beautiful about it, I think, because, you know, just that rediscovering and remembering of why we are so drawn to the sea and what that speaks to about, about God himself and about our own desire to kind of have an adventure, but also um, explore what is, mysteri- what is more mysterious about life and um, what lies beyond. 
So are, the, are these books, like especially this one in particular, um, the third volume, are these books geared primarily towards the feminine? Uh, yeah, I would say that majority of our readers are, are women, but we also have men that have reached out and told us that they, you know, feel they love them too. And, you know, we do, we, we try to, particularly in the first one, we have a lot of pictures of, um, you know, men doing, doing very manly things, you know, uh, in chopping wood, <laughs> but then also men holding babies and, um, you know, just, you know, having that image of family like that. I don't think we see reflected in as beautiful ways anymore as we used to. Um, trying to put, the, put those visuals out there because I think, you know, men really want to be men, strong, protective, providing. Um, and I think women really want to be women, you know, exactly. nurturing and caring for. Not have, in yeah. superficial role ways, right. but in deeper ways. And we have the crazy culture trying to feminize men and cancel women, mm-hmm. basically. And so, you know, I mean, uh, your books hopefully are uh, one element of trying to, you know, fight this craziness that's happening right now. And you mentioned yeah, you mentioned coffee table type, right? So this book could be on the coffee table. Guests in your home can pick it up and leaf through it and see these beautiful images and are there are, uh, short stories or explanations or different uh, messages within each of the, the sections or what? Yeah, so there's, there's an overarching um, uh, you know chapter kind of traditional type of book with uh, meditations and just ruminations and themes through each chapter. But we also invited various contributors into this most recent one um, with little inserts so peppered throughout of different women's stories, their memories with the sea. Um, one woman speaks about remembering she remembers you know when her father was a merchant captain and then her husband and that sense of ha- having to say goodbye, that separation. Um, anyway, so it's all so many layers and so many interesting stories. That so, so that was an, a, a fun dynamic piece that we had with this one that we hadn't done before as well. How, how long does it take to put a book like the third one together? Is it a year, two year process that you guys are working on? I think the writing process was somewhere around five months, maybe six, and then editing back and forth, and then uh, into the publishing. So I think I think we probably wrote this maybe about a little over a year ago. Um, about a year or about a year ago, we were in the writing stage. Who who is the publisher? Um, coming to press. Who's the publisher? The publisher is Handbook. Okay, Handbook. All right, we're talking to Noel Maring about um, uh, her latest book, Theology of the Home Three at the Sea, which is a new release, and uh, we'll continue this conversation after this brief break. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. 
SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kunz along with Deacon John Foucault. We're coming to you from the beautiful Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, and we have been talking to Noel Maring about her most recent book, Theology of the Home Three. At the sea. And so um, uh, I uh, brought up a topic before the break, uh, Noel. I just want to address it, give you an opportunity to address it. Is it the whole phenomenon of the uh, canceling of women with this whole transgender stuff and and the feminization of, of man? And uh, I, I know that you've um, maybe talked about it in, in, in past books, but maybe you can just address the issue either with the current book or in general, uh, just your thoughts on this phenomenon that we're all living through right now. Sure, yeah, no, I'm happy to. My, my other book, the one I wrote on my own, is called Awake, Not Woke, Christian Response, A Cult of Progressive Ideology. So it's, it feels like a really uh, um, departure from theology of home, but actually they're kind of speaking to the same thing, just in different ways. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I talk a lot, and we talk in the theology of home books, but also more in Awake, Not Woke, um, about that phenomenon that, you know, we're destabilizing men and women at their core. Um, and the one thing that I think is really interesting about for men is that um, St. Thomas Aquinas defines the feminacy as a attachment to pleasure to the point where you're not willing to do what is arduous or suffer. And, and I think that's been part, so deeply part of the movement is they're kind of teaching, they're destabilizing people's understanding of what suffering means and why it's important. Um, and, and for men, that's deeply emasculating to not be able to do the hard work of suffering um, and suffering well and foregoing, you know, pleasure. Um, and I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's making men really unhappy, and it's making women unhappy, too. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's interesting, because I think the feminist movement was, you know, it was a targeting of men, Marx and Engels, who talk about how, you know, men need to be licentious, um, and that in so doing, you'll break down really society, because then women aren't cared for, and so then they become callous and hardened, um, and then children become rebellious. Um, so it has this effect on, you know, it starts, you know, it breaks down the family so internally and so deeply. And I think we're seeing that left and right now. And, you know, this whole phenomenon of we don't know what women are anymore. I mean, it, it sounds so ridiculous that it's easy to write it off. It's like, this is too crazy. You know, why do we have a Supreme Court justice who can't say what a woman is? She's not a biologist. <laughs> it just sounds too bizarre. But it actually is something that's really, you know, it's a, it's a really powerful ideology that's really affecting and destabilizing people. Um, and it's interesting to me that women are the ones who are undefined now, because you know, I think so much of this was posed as this is to empower women. You know, the whole sexual revolution was 
sold as like, this is going to make women stronger, better, more powerful. And now where it's led is into this absurdity of, we don't even know what a woman is, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, but I think that's the nature of the progressive movement. It keeps having to push the envelope, dividing us more and more to the point where, you know, we don't really mean anything. And it's interesting to me too, you know, they do so much to eradicate the differences between men and women. At the same time, they're, emphasizing the differences between the races, you know, that these differences, you can't trans-race. And I think the reason why is because in both instances, they're doing the exact opposite of what would create more harmony, right? Like, if you're harmony between racial differences, we don't need to treat each other differently when we're of different races. You know, we're all human beings. We can, women can be good friends, men can be good friends. But, but conduct amongst the sexes, there is a propriety uh, that implies some different behavior between the two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you want to actually re-emphasize the difference between men and women and eradicate you know, or, or, or dilute the differences between the races in order to create harmony. And we've got the opposite yeah. now. Like in college dorms, they're desegregating it by sex and resegregating it by race in some cases. It's insanity. Yeah. It's, ins- it's, 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 you know, it's like one of those, the analogy where, you know, you put a, you put a, a fish or a frog in water, and you turn up the uh, the temperature is just very, very little, and they don't even know. You, if they throw it right. in the boiler, it's going to die. But right. w- w- that's what's happening to us. I mean, it's like we are, as you said, it's just this, they're very intentional about this. Kept pu- keep pushing the envelope to get to the absurdity right now. I mean, uh, no, 20 years ago, if a Supreme Court justice would have been asked the definition of a woman, it would have been the most ridiculous thing. It would have been... The jokes of late night television, exactly. And You're now, even asking the question, yeah. I know. And now the insanity of it—it's just, ugh, it's, it is yeah. bizarre. It's really yeah, bizarre. And, and, it's demonic. Anyhow, go ahead. No, I'm it sorry. Is, I think it's deeply demonic, and it, and also it's really coercive because if you can get people, I, you know, I think everybody, even if they espouse this ideology, they know what a woman is. They're pretending, you know. So it's, it's almost like they're, you know, this is how totalitarianism works. That you have to get people to feel that they have to give obeisance to a lie. Um, and, and, you know, and, and if you can tell, teach people that you don't know how to, how to think correctly, you might, what you think is real might not be real, um, then you can, you can convince them that they need to tell you what, you know, how to live, what, how to shepherd you through the world, what's okay to say, what's not okay to say. They become, we become really able to be controlled in that way. Right. Um, but I think, I think it starts with getting them to participate in lies. Right. And you know, you know, one thing that I've noticed, and I could be way off, I'd like your input on this. I think that this has become very noticeably invasive and maybe not noticeably in our commercials, like the TV commercials. Oh. It's amazing. I cannot believe it's like I saw a meme one time where it said like 2020, the death of the of the uh, white couple, yeah. you know, yeah, on, exactly. on TV commercials. You like, don't see it. You, I mean, there's just, I mean, can you address how this is being presented just in basic commercials that we see on television? Yeah, I mean, I don't watch a lot of television, but I, I, I you know, I see things pop up. Um, you know, I think that that's just the more that you know, the visuals are so crucial. I think that's uh, that's been you know happening for a long time, and now because we are such a you know, we, because we all watch TV so much, or it's less about maybe, maybe magazines and more about you know these constant narratives through media. That you know, that was a really um, important tactic. I think started in you know this in you know well decades ago that art should be political. Everything should become political. So politics has to invade corporations, it has to invade our media, it has to invade our stories, our, even our paintings. Art is, you know, for the sake of change. We're change agents, you know, all these things. Um, and it, it's more and more, uh, um, you know, in, insidious, I think. You know, this is why we're seeing, you know, drag queen story hours and um, all the stuff happening in schools and family-friendly drag stuff. 
Yeah, this, this is for a real reason. They want to normalize things that are abnormal, and they want to do it as young as possible. And the more you can disabuse people of some sort of standard of propriety and traditional sexual morality, the earlier and the more in, um, insidiously you can disabuse them of that kind of sort of innocence about those things, then and the more you know. can... The, the, yeah. the, the, the crazies, uh, say the, the demonics on the other side, they bristle. I love that that somebody, I can't remember who started it, they bristle when we talk about, well, this is grooming. They're just doing grooming. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and then they yeah. responded, they responded very bad again. So they did not like that. No, they don't. But that's, I don't know how you can think it's not. You know, it is, you're, it. Getting to, you're exposing children to adult sexuality yeah. at a young age. And the whole point of protecting children is to protect them in part from adult sexuality, when they're, you know, it's not proper. Um, and it's also, you know, it creates a lot of confusion in them. You know, like children have to start re- un- re-questioning all their instincts. Like, they have an instinct that it's not normal for a man to be in a mini skirt and heels. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, but they're being bombarded by this image, and all the adults in the room are laughing and clapping. How confusing is that? You know, they've learned they to not trust themselves. Be whatever, whatever gender they want at school, and the, the teachers don't have to disclose it to the parent. Well, and then the slippery slope is that now in our part of the world, they have something called furries. We have high schools that kids, yeah. they yes. put, they're putting litter boxes in bathrooms. I mean, this is insane. It's a I slippery slope. I just heard slope. about this last week. I never knew this existed in our yeah, high schools in Duluth. Right here in Duluth. Yeah, yeah exactly. So they, they're putting a litter box in a bathroom because a person identifies that as it's an, an animal. animal. Yeah. That's absolutely crazy. So let's talk real brief because we only have a few minutes left about your book, your other book, Awake Not Woke. Um, um, and, and your website. And the well. website. So the, the Wake Not Woke is a separate book written just by you, but the theology um, of the home has also a website and a blog. Yeah, so theolo- it's actually Theology of Home. Know that. But um, so our website is theologyofhome.com, and we have, we get, we, you can subscribe for free. We have a daily email with kind of curated links about, you know, everything from home decorating and organization to, you know, food for our spiritual lives and some new stuff. Um, so, you know, about eight links a day, we email out, um, and then we also have a blog on there where Terry and I do some of our personal writing, and a, a great woman we're working with now, Emily, does a lot of beautiful things with flowers and tutorials, and then we also have a shop there, too, where we are really trying to restore kind of this kind of Catholic craftsmanship, you know, that Catholics should be, you know, pioneering the way, or leading the way in beautiful, usable objects and things for the home, and that really uh, are well-crafted, not made in China, out of plastic, and... <laughs> Uh, whatever. So um, just that sort of tangible beauty, I think, is part of the theology of home ethos. We also have hand-poured candles. Um, Great. Yeah. So a lot of fun stuff. I mean that's great. I mean, I mean, it's you know, you're basically you're you're expressing Catholicism, yes. the beauty and the truth, you know, of, of man and woman and family, <clears throat> right, and just life in general. And the website for that is theologyofhome.com. Just so people are aware, right. theologyofhome.com, and they can get the books out there and the different items that you have within your store. Exactly right. Yep. Noah, we just have a, a, a maybe two two and a half minutes left. Do you have any okay. final thoughts and words that you want to share with us? Yeah. No. I mean, I, it's been great to talk about all this. You know, I think that one thing that I think about is that we have to have a lot of confidence. You know, because it seems like things have gotten so crazy. But you know, that I think people, a lot of people, are just parroting a script that's been given to them. But they, it's masking like a deeper longing that they, you know, people want what is beautiful. People want belonging. They want the things that home and stable family life and the church really provides. You know, a place where you have a real familial um, safety and security um, that can then embolden you to go courageously onto the world and, you know, be, you know, do, do big things. 
Um, but I think that we have to have courage, just speaking simple truth. When things have come so backwards and upside down about what a man was, is, what a woman is, and what home means, and the beauty of what the, the project of the domestic church, I think that we can feel confident that that's all propaganda, and what, what is true is what people actually speaks to people's hearts. Well, and it's propaganda in the demonic sort of way. I know I've, I've said that several times, but, you know, you talk about, you know, I mean, there's chaos. There's chaos that is being brought forth in regards to identity of basic people right now, and that's the, that's the work of the devil, right? Chaos. Mm-hmm. Chaos and destruction, and you know, that's the thing is that it, it can only destroy, it cannot build something up, it's not creative. Um, and, and it's smart, you know, people want something that's actually creative and so constructive. Um, the destruction gets tedious and actually, as you say, utterly demonic at its core, um, and, and it, it's not leading people to happiness. Noel, where can people uh, get this book? It just came out. Where, what's the best way people get in this book? We can we saw it on our website, Theology of Home, and Pan Books is our, our publisher. Um, it's also available wherever books are sold. Pretty easy Excellent. to find. Okay, sounds like a great book to have in the home. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that, no, that's great. Um, again, we we have about one minute left. No, I'll give you a last word. So, oh, I'll ask the question speak. for okay, a last word. Do you have a follow up? Is there a number four coming out? Uh, we do actually. Uh, there's a woman who's working with us now, Emily Malloy. She's um, uh, we're, we've got a fourth theology poem book that's being written now, and I think it's going to be really beautiful. I don't think we've revealed the title to, or the subtitle yet, so I'll keep that under wraps for a bit yep. longer, but um, it should be out next year. So more for people to look forward to. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, too bad we couldn't break that. So what's your favorite color, Noel? Why are you asking? <laughs> yes, what's your favorite yeah, number? What's your favorite number? Yeah. Favorite number is eight. Since eight. I was little girls, my father's favorite number is the symbol of eternity. And I have always really loved my father. So I, I just adopted his favorite number as my own. And your favorite animal. My favorite animal. Oh, gosh. I'm not a big animal person, sadly. but I like um, you, I Noel. I like you. <laughs> Are you not an animal person? I'm not, uh, unless it's on the plate. (laughs) (laughs) The most memorable family I've had. Uh, (laughs) Most memorable uh, phone interview she's done. Noel, thank you very much for uh, for joining us. Uh, It's great. I certainly encourage listeners. It sounds like an incredible book. Your other books as well. So thank you very much for doing the work of God and fighting the demonic. You're you're literally working to beat hell, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much. It was great to talk to you both. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Have a good day. God bless. God bless. After this brief break, we will be um, uh, talking to one of our regular guests here, Monica Henderson, about the upcoming The Vatican Unveiled here in Duluth, Minnesota, right after this brief break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. 